Hiya! Welcome to the Keep It Quirky podcast. I'm your host, Katie Quinn, and this is the pod where I talk with fellow creatives and entrepreneurs about food, travel, and the discipline and drive to create. Passion begets passion. So let's do this. When I moved to London a little over a year ago now, there were a handful of people I was really excited to meet slash I was hoping I would meet them. They were people in my world of food videos and fellow YouTubers. And right at the top of that list was the sorted food dudes, Ben, Barry, Jamie, and Mike. They're a group of friends who get together and make recipe videos, mostly easy scratch recipes using what you've got at hand or using inexpensive, accessible ingredients. With close to 2 million subscribers on YouTube and a massively loyal community of eaters all around the world, they are creative entrepreneurs who are doing really cool things and constantly innovating. Today on the podcast are two of the sorted food dudes, Ben Ebrill and Barry Taylor. For this interview, I made one of the recipes from their channel, a coconut cake. And to prove how easy it is, on the video, one of the guys, Barry, showed how to make it blindfolded. I have gone for the easiest of all the Brazilian recipes, cocada del forno, which is basically baked coconut cake. And I think it's so easy. I'm going to do the whole thing blindfolded. First up, you'll need three eggs. There they are. There they are. And a bowl. That one didn't go so well. <laughs> it's a shell. It's a huge shell. <laughs> right. I'll get this. I'll get it. I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. Got it. Now don't try this at home. Oh no. Keep it level, keep it level. I'm scared. Sorted Food has done over 1,500 videos over the past eight years on YouTube, and their videos are just fun. They remind me why I'm doing what I do as a video creator. They source recipes from their audience all around the world, and they've done a lot of cool things with books, too. I mean, pretty much flipping the publishing industry on its head. For example, a recent publication of theirs was supported by their fans on Kickstarter, and it was called Desserts in Duvets. You'll hear more about that. In this episode, we hear how it all started. We learn about the serendipitous events and the hustle behind how Sorted Food got together, the story behind their most watched video on YouTube, the reality of what it's like to own a business with all of your best friends, and lots more. So let's hop right on in and chat with Ben and Barry. After my first question here, Ben talks first, then Barry. I think it is very fitting that you guys are on for my author series. From my understanding, the way that you guys all kind of coalesced together with a business mind was with a book before even the videos came about. Is this true? Yeah, the book was so it's 10, 10 years, isn't it? So it's 20 years of friendship. <clears throat> and yes. 10 years since the first <laughs> 20 book. 20 years of tenuous friendship. Ten, 20 years since we've known of each there other. You go. That's better. <laughs> um, no, t- 10 years ago, we started yeah, with a cookbook. So, self published, a student cookbook. And it's the, the, the whole sorted journey has kind of stemmed from that original conversation, literally around a pub table when we were sharing student based recipes that we, we went on to self publish. So, yeah, it started with the cookbook. Yeah, which was um, kind of brought together by, well, it was myself, Ben, and a group of, what, it was about 10 of us all at the time, who were um, learning to kind of cook at university and so on. And uh, Ben, as a chef, myself as a photographer, we were looking at ways that we could kind of, well, boost our CVs and kind of prove Smart. to the world. Because the rest of when you're when you're 18, 19, 20, the only way you can really kind of get ahead in life is to, well, prove yourself either by publishing something 
that and or having some sort of certificate so for us we're going how do i on a photography basis what can i do that means i can get my work published out there and i looked into things like um i was going to do a photography book around sailing or storms or wildlife. Are those or... other interests of yours? Or are they well, totally random? Totally, it's completely random. Really? Because I was going, what could <laughs> would I would make a great photo. What would make a good photo? And what could I go out and do books on? And at the age of 20, it didn't really matter what it was. It's just happened that Ben was studying um, culinary arts management at the time. And every time we met up, Ben was cooking the most incredible food. And none of us could work out how or why. That was different. And on the flip, I couldn't quite understand. You said, I mean, you started this by saying you were learning how to cook at university. The problem was you weren't. No, like, people, I was amazed, like, with a food background, how little food was being scratch cooked at university. And it was ready meals and, and takeaways and pot noodles and things like that. So it was very much kind of like, that was my drive was trying to get these guys to cook so your experience at uni that you didn't fall into the microwave meal trap at, at all how did you avoid that to normal. be fair yeah. one i'm not normal and and two <laughs> i was living in a flat with eight people and all of us were studying culinary arts management so we were all chefs so right. we all lived and breathed food our kitchen was basically a weird concoction of things pickling and brining and and fermenting and baking that's and so fun. it was just kind of anything we could test that's not to say we didn't do the student fair as well on certain nights especially Wednesdays no it was very much kind of we would Wait, always what was Wednesday sports night uh... not that I was a particularly good sportsman <laughs> but it was the night it was the social night um, right, and right. we would tag along and pretend to be sporty just so we could go to the bar yeah. and um, <laughs> then also get the, the the questionable foods on the way home but yeah for us it was very much like we were already cooking it okay. was so obvious for us we couldn't understand why other people weren't. Yeah, and so and you guys didn't understand that you were the outlier in doing that? Pretty much, until we come home and it was the school friends that we were sat around pub table and that was like one of the many things that were going slightly askew at university along with finance and relationships and all sorts of other things. So we'd chat about that over several pints, but I just couldn't believe how bad your food habit, habits were. Yeah. So Barry, give me a snapshot of your food habits then. Um, beans on toast. You do a mean, you do a mean scrambled egg, tops, even back there. Egg. Um, basic ham sandwiches, uh, pot noodles, maybe with a, I don't know, a bit of ketchup in there to mix it up a little bit. Yeah. But back then, it really, it wasn't on my agenda at all. I, d- I had no interest in food. Um, and twenty when we started Sorted, uh, it took a, a while for us to kind of adapt it into our lives because we were doing it originally to kind of, firstly, boost our CVs. And then we all fell in love with it. And so I go, okay, there is something in this. Um, but until you uh, bring it into your day-to-day life and you eating out in nicer places, you're understanding more about where your food comes from, it is hard to really kind of adopt it properly. Find the value in it. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we started with that, and that was a self-published cookbook, and we did standard thing, which was print a few copies and then work out how you shift said copies that were currently in a shed, basically. And um, we did, um, when, we, when we got, we, we self-published it, and so self-published this, we just got, did some photos, wrote some recipes, printed a book with a printer that we knew and then we went pretty much like door-to-door salesman and we ended up going to the uh, dropping off the book to the CEO of Tesco's at the time who happened to be in this in we just knew where he lived so we thought so I posted it there <laughs> basically popping through doors saying look we're kids we're just trying it yeah and we're kind of kind of adhering kind of Avenue. Self-published. I mean, back then it was what it was about twenty quid to buy some ISBNs, and we had a self-published cookbook. Yeah. Wow! Um, you guys had the hustle. Yeah. <laughs> well, we were we were prepared. We had we had books to shift before they got damp in the winter because yeah. the shed was not the best place <laughs> to store books. Um, and that's where the videos came in. We we put up some videos on YouTube to try and basically help showcase what we were doing, and a bunch of mates cooking. And they started off as pretty much adverts for the book. Yeah. 
the yeah, fact that they took off and the videos kind of, as you know, and sort of become their own sort of beast. At what point did it become clear that, oh, oh, the video, this is the thing. This is what we should fall into. Only when we started uploading kind of regularly to YouTube, we were focusing on recipes that weren't our own recipes, but there were recipes that had been asked for. We could work out how we could integrate the community every, into every single video. As soon as we did that, it kind of started feeding itself and more and more people wanted to join and have their opinion. And then we realised, actually, what we're doing here is we're not telling you one way to cook a recipe. We're giving you the tools to Talk go, it. Yeah. Yeah, and go, give it a go, but screw with it, play around and see what you can do next time and then tell us what you did so we can make it better. So we realised suddenly we're not like, as traditional TV and books. We were saying, this is the start. See where you take it. And what's really cool about that and the fact that you are a bunch of mates showing this is that you're able to literally goof around with the food and have fun with it as opposed to just saying like, okay, here's how you make it, but I want you to have fun with it. It is clear that you want people to have fun with it because you are having fun with it on camera, mm -hmm. which is really cool. So before we get too much further, I want to mention the other people in Sorted Foods. So oh, do we have to? <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about them a bit. So, I mean, it started really as of the four of us so there's Barry, myself, Jamie and Mike um, and I say we were all at school together um, but I mean the team now the sorted team has expanded much beyond that um, yeah like 10 employees yeah so we've been we've got a cool studio space in uh, East London which is kind of home and that's where we do all the food developing and the shooting when we're in the studio and well all the post-production that makes us look good uh, takes out all of our errors and mistakes right um, editing is key but yeah it's like there's a team of 10 12 of us now wow um, who make this sort of sorted bubble happen in a weird way we've kind of only recently adopted London as kind of the next character in what we do we've most of our content is based in London we do lots more stuff out and about and exploring so London's become, kind of become that next character and then of course you've got everybody in the team who are involved in everything we do and this is all about this is more about a friendship than it is actually the food itself so harnessing that in the right way and trying to get that across on screen in books and everywhere was really important for us could the sorted food brand go beyond food could you just be like sorted anything like throw in the next no i mean it's very much an attitude towards life and just kind of crowdsourcing ideas from all over the globe and kind of bringing them all together and curating it into one published thing that as i said is then really just a start point and the conversation carries on we've always done it around food because we're all have an opinion on it well, i think it, everyone has an opinion on food exactly and everyone's food super is, proud of yeah. their food culture and what their mum makes or what their nan makes or the best barbecue their dad whatever it is everyone has a a story to tell around food so it's an easy way of hooking in everyone even if they're not a foodie yeah totally there was temptations in the past to diversify sort of gardening I'm yeah still it could be but well, that's the thing <laughs> but I, 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 sorted gardening i think jay wants to do sorted cars mike would do sorted music I do sorted storms. You go back to your storms. Storms, yeah. <laughs> but it was like, and a little while I bought him out in the early days. We thought that was that was part of the plan of being sorted food. We could then diversify, but it kind of the food angle took off, and people really cared about it, and we grew to love it more and more and more. And now it's yeah, it's part of us. I don't think it could ever be anything other than the food. Now you realise even sort of fifteen hundred videos eight years on YouTube, 10 years as sorted, and we've still barely scratched the surface of what you can do with food because it is never ending. So in that sense, it's kind of exciting to work out what's next. And uh, as Barry said, like we've been focusing on London recently because too often we would lock ourselves away in a studio and create without seeing the amazing food sphere we're already in. But then you only have to pick that up and say, well, where's the next city? 
Yeah. Not, not that we'll ever complete London because London keeps moving on and keeps growing and changing. So you never actually even finish one city. But then you sort of think, oh, I wonder what else you could do in a food world in in other places. As yeah. Well. Oh, yeah. As soon as travel comes in the scene, it like blows up all kinds of well, they, more they go opportunities. Hand in hand so well, don't they? Food they really do. They really do. Speaking of which, years ago, you guys did a collaboration with some Brazilian creators. I made one of the very easy dessert recipes that you guys did a video on. And Barry, you showed us how to do this blindfolded. I did. That's how easy it is. That's how easy it is. I don't remember it. I forget this the has been so tempting because it. it's been in front of me. We tasted it before we started recording <laughs> yeah. and now it's been sat there in front of me and I've been conscious about picking up a fork and making a noise. So let's go for it. So it's a coconut condensed milk mm-hmm. cake, essentially. It's one of those ones when we first saw it, we didn't believe it would work. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so, so simple and so delicious. And this one is still slightly warm as well, which is even better. Glad it's you like it. so good. Yay. Literally three eggs, desiccated coconut, one can of condensed milk, some butter and a, like a splash of milk. Throw it in a bowl, stir, pop it in the oven. And I think that the fact that, that you did that blindfolded is a good snapshot of the kinds of things that you guys do on your channel that like you know it's just a little goofy and like and just like little gags you know and you just clearly have fun with it so from a creator's standpoint i'm curious about how do you guys come up with this stuff like that spoon gag where you're like get a really big spoon and then you grab and it's a little teaspoon and you like make an eye at the camera there's no planning (laughs) i think we've because we've been mates for so long you just fall into well old school habits to an extent and you relive the old jokes over and over and over again until they become funny to us and if we think they're, think they're funny then other people seem to find them kind of funny would something like that be scripted um, no never we don't think never. we've ever really no. scripted really? certainly within a recipe we've never really scripted anything it just happens and as I say we've got some fantastic production team um, who help take out all the rubbish as well because um, oh. people like Jamie he's brilliant but he'll throw lots of one liners at it and occasionally there's some gold but the rest falls flat but that's <laughs> Fine, we cut those out. <laughs> Whereas the rest of us just kind of yeah. stick to the base. I prefer it when you we push the boundaries, not just of the jokes, but even the deliver. So some of the stuff we've cooked when we're out and about, we like we cooked Korean mm-hmm. beef tacos in a river, knee deep in Virginia, because we're like, this is how easy it is. If, oh we cook, if we can cook it in a river, you can cook it at home. Yeah. Or yeah. You did lamingtons upside down once. But with every new recipe, every new location, in some way, as long as we're all on screen together, you see the friendship being tested in different ways. Um, the hardest times, I think, when we're shooting recipes back to back in, in one place, because you get into habits and you try and force the jokes and they work. But if you just throw us in ridiculous situations, it seems to work quite nicely. The second book then came along after you were all in your sorted food jam. It was going strong. It was going well. And you decided to publish Food with Friends. And it was split into... It was split into... (laughs) Different chapters. And you guys decided to take a particular digital focus in terms of spreading that one around. Yeah. So, we, I mean, we'd done two self... um, Self-published cookbooks first. Oh, you did a second so we self-published. Did two, but, but, but we then teamed up with Penguin at the time as a publisher, and they sort of took on board those self-published books, and it became officially published. Okay. Um, and then there, it was their suggestion that why don't we try doing, of you know, given our digital footprint, as it were, on YouTube and social media, why don't we try doing an ebook 
where basically it was the same as as you would with iTunes and music. If you don't want to buy the whole album, you can just buy single by single. And it was kind of like chapter by chapter. If the barbecue or picnic or sort of takeaway chapter was the one you wanted, you can just go in and for a small amount, just pull out a chapter of the cookbook or you could buy the whole thing. And it was all, again, centered around friends and the kind of environments you put yourself in when food would help add to the occasion. So... Um, that was fun because we How shot long? most of it outside. When was that? How that must have been five or six years ago. You I... guys are kind of like pushing the envelope with a lot of the stuff you do. But actually, this makes me think of tangentially. So, yes, you're pushing the envelope with, for instance, this ebook of recipes. But at the same time, you don't strike me as a group of people or a company or organization that just hops on the newest thing all the time just to hop on it from afar it seems to me that you guys are really strategic what's what's the strategy behind that or do you guys just kind of like go with your gut gut has a lot to do with it um as time's gone by we have gone from left to right on many different things um but what we always make sure we do is we make sure we give it everything we've got Mm. every time and we have to all be united on one vision because there's there's a lot of us now um, and we really all care about this and with the world of digital media being a, a strange place to be all you can do is rely on each other to kind of unite and go this is the next route we're going to go and we've we've cocked up sometimes sometimes it hasn't worked sometimes it's really worth and people don't talk about the failures people talk about the successes mm. but the, the failures for us have been the stuff that's helped us shape what we've got today I feel like we've the, the products that we have today the sort of you know it now um, is probably the strongest it's ever been because we've taken everything we've kind of fouled on and I feel like we've put it together to make something incredible now. So when I'm saying like, oh, you guys have been really strategic in what you're doing and you... We just strategically it, hide the bad stuff. Yeah, okay, that's what I was <laughs> yeah, just going to say. No, so pretty much, yeah. Is the reality like, no, we've tried a lot of them, but we, you know... We've spent a lot of money on stuff within tech, stuff within video content, um, where we've tried to emulate the success of other... like tasty videos on Facebook and those sort of things we, we went down that route um, and it didn't work well the views they worked but every time we saw the brand being kind of torn apart a little bit you go no that's not we can't lose that brand that's kind of we, what we stand for we're all for. perfectionists like we are so careful every time that we are 100% behind something and there have been a couple of things that we've done and sort of not not ever aired because we're not happy with them or we rushed into a decision or it hasn't quite evolved into something and it's better actually just to sometimes accept that didn't quite work rather than oh it's done now put out anyway so there's a lot of things there's been a lot of R&D over the years apart from gadgets yes like you were saying about the silly things we do like blindfolding each other or turning ourselves upside down to cook there was one video we shot which um, happens to be our most watched video on YouTube (laughs) we shot last thing on a Friday afternoon after a couple of beers after a long week and we kind of thought we ought to film one more and we really didn't have our hearts in it and we very, very nearly didn't put that out. Yeah, and we usually we say... We were but there are a few people in the room that were chuckling, and we weren't sure why, and we put it out to We thought it was so bad, they were funny, funny. And, and it did really, really yeah. well. And now, so. now whenever we go places, they're like, so let's look at your most viewed video. You go, oh no, please don't no, do that. No, don't ask that question. Oh no, we, we have integrity, please. Oh, never mind. <laughs> That's the thing with YouTube, is you can never truly predict. Like, even though um, we take all our inspiration from the community and people online, and we help let them shape it, and we have this huge sign of machine inside that goes through all the production and stuff we still you still can't entirely predict what will and won't succeed but which kind of makes it exciting right it means you've always got to stay on your toes which yeah. is what we like and there's always another challenge around the corner so all right so the next book 
is it officially out? What's the film? What's the deal? What's so the, what's the dealio? It's off the Kickstarter. <laughs> so we did a. Uh, Actually, this this one's in the Kickstarter, isn't it? So with the um about in November last year um. We, we hadn't published a book for about, what, five or six years. And because we weren't sure there was a market for it, we weren't sure if people wanted a physical book. There's kind of the, the books that, you know, sell well on bookshelves. Mm-hmm. And we said, we don't want to put a book on a bookshelf because then you have to adhere to what a whole marketplace want. This is a book purely for our community. What do they want? Wow. And they we one of the conversations that came up massively was people's desire for um, desserts. And then there was a few random tweets about people talking about, oh, there's nothing better than getting a hot, sticky toffee pudding and having it in bed. And then a few people liked it and talked about it. We thought, could we do a book around, this sounds weird, desserts in duvets? <laughs> and it was trying to work out a way of going, how can you find something, an emotion, that a niche audience go, oh, that would be lovely, mm. and focusing on that. And we said, actually, if the brief is fantastic, indulgent desserts, that could only be made better by having it wrapped up in a duvet on a cold November night, what would they be? So we sent that out to the community and said, we want to make a book again, but it's been a long time and we don't want to do it like normal. Why don't you fund it? You tell us what you want. And we did it on Kickstarter. And it sold out within the first like couple of days. And instantly we're like, okay, there's, there is a market for books. But it completely transformed the way we look at books and, and the way we produce books. And we did it all in-house, created, created these packages with gifts inside and, and kind of like letters, personal letters from us to them. Um, and they went out, they were received beautifully um, over Christmas. And then we came back in the new year and went, how do we turn this into a regular thing where the community can... Uh, can shape every single book that comes through and they get it on a regular basis. Um, so we launched um, the book club, the sorted book club. I mean, what strikes me about it is, I guess, the innovative side of it, right? Like, you guys are successful enough that I'm sure publishers would jump at the chance to publish a new cookbook from you. And yet you you chose to not go that route, to go the self-publishing route. And the reason, I mean, I'm sure there were many, but it seems to me the most obvious reason is to better serve your community, which is what is like what what it should come down to. Right? Yeah, and, and not fall into the kind of maybe traps is the wrong word, but the way that the traditional industry has worked with publishing, and you know, we moved from that, and we did a fantastic thing with Penguin from our self-published cookbooks. But then when the idea of the desserts came along, I'm at, you're right, we probably could have taken it to a publisher, but it would have been a nine-month cycle. Yeah, it would have been, they, they would have laughed at us for doing a book around desserts and duvets. Also, it was very anti the cookbook then, because right. everything else is about time and speed and health or lean and green and all these kind of things and, and specific diets and conscious. And we just went polar opposite. It was, it was an invitation to have a guilt trip occasionally, you know, once a fortnight, once a month, friends and family, go all out, indulge, get a duvet and we I mean we had the it idea in sort of like September and we wanted it out in time for the dark months of November December yeah. and you couldn't get that with the publisher but yeah. we knew we had the skills in house and we knew we had the the, the demand online that we right. and platforms like Kickstarter exactly. you can make it happen exactly so we did. some of my best friends in the world it's like there's a line where it's like you are my really good friend but they're For instance, when I lived in New York City, some of my really good friends from back home also moved to New York City and we decided to live together. And overall, it was great. If if you guys are listening, I love you. Well, no, but there is so much love and we're all still really close. But those years that we lived together 
were probably the roughest in our friendship. So how can you explain the ability to be good friends? I mean, this, as you mentioned, Ben, this idea came from hanging out together in the pub, which is where all great ideas come from. How can you explain that? Is it just like a really unique dynamic you all have? We're all very different, which helps. And together it becomes one, but they, but but it is that kind of, yeah, I don't know. I, I think yeah. I agree. Like, we're not, we are four different people. Where we are now in our lives is very different to where we were 10 years ago. If you have enough of a drive and a passion for something and we all have our sort of specialism of what we do within, I use the word business then, it was within what yeah. we do. So it is like, a business, but it never feels like that because you're just hanging out with your friends, cooking great but food. Also, like we weren't. So what was weird is like with um, you and your friends in New York, you you became friends because of where you were living and mm-hmm. your situation. And throughout school, you make friends through your football team or your chess club. Oi. And it's, that, <laughs> it's not the case, but that's the kind of stick I get. <laughs> All we were doing is we Poor weren't bad. that close during school. Um, we knew of each other. We all crossed paths at some point. And only when doing sort to be found something that we all cared about. So it's just our new football team to an extent. We all, we all care a lot about its success and where we want to take it. And so somehow we don't fall out too often. It's amazing. Yeah. And if we do, a pint of beer normally sorts it out. But the, it was interesting. Only last week we filmed um, a whole bunch of, we called them grilled, like podcasts. Because we've kind of told the sorted story 101 times to different um, in different situations whether it's panels or to journalists or uh, other shows and videos and podcasts and things but we've never sort of done it on our own terms so we literally sat down and, and Mike pretty much grilled or interviewed each one of us like for over it was like an hour for each of us wow. on kind of the st- how we individually have seen the last 10 years which is really interesting and it surprised yeah. us there were some things that came up it's like oh I never saw it that way even now we surprise ourselves on different approaches to different things that have happened. We all know what's happened. Yeah. You can't change that. That's an activity that has passed. But our different outlook and views on how it happened or how it came to be or the successes that we particularly loved or things we should have gone left or right on, listening back to each one of us for an hour, basically getting deep and personal with also, Mike. Also, what's, what's really weird, as soon as you hear everybody be interviewed without the other people in the room, they say things they wouldn't say to your face. <laughs> yeah. so, like, like, so hearing Mike tell his story, he said some really nice things in that, which he's never said to my face. And I was like, I was listening to it on the train. <laughs> and I started getting a bit teary. I was like, oh my God, I'm getting emotional about this. Because I've never heard people talk about the sorted from their perspective without being interrupted yeah, <laughs> to an yeah. extent they're just freely talking it's fascinating so yeah even now we still find that the, the friendship is what ties us together but it's the only because of this huge journey and we've each evidently seen it slightly differently um, but we still find the momentum to come back on a Monday morning and try again for another week so it's obviously working but certainly there must be some times where you feel like you're hitting a wall or you just feel creatively stuck in your own mind or maybe even together as a group what do you do in those scenarios fundamentally rely on each other to kind of pull each other out of ruts we have to continuously reassess what we're doing and and maybe take a different tact and every time we do that we we come together we have regular meetings where we're trying to understand where everyone's at where everyone's doing and at some points I know it's obvious when someone when I when I got married I was useless for about a month and I was like guys I'm kind of out of the picture for a month or so because I've got this thing to do (laughs) kind of a big deal kind of a big deal it was a great deal it was a great party I enjoyed it (laughs) all of us kind of go okay cool we'll all step up and kind of cover each other to an extent and it happens on the creative blocks as well I think I'll be the first and Mike and yourself will go no it's not not working at the moment can you help cover me for a little bit or give me a bit of space because um, one thing we've also realised over the last 10 years is we all work very differently as well. We don't all work to the same 
nine to five hours and trying to work out how we accommodate each other and everyone in the business has been quite a struggle. We can do it amongst the four of us, but as a business, it's a bit trickier. It's incredible that you all have each other. As a creative entrepreneur who is a solo mm -hmm. creator, I think that it's so special what you guys share. And I does it, does it strike you as special too? Or are you so in it that you're like, yeah, this is the norm? No, it's definitely special because you also really, because you have control of where it can go next as well. So it, the, the world that we live in with digital content and YouTube and all the social channels and now publishing the fact that we've kind of grabbed that to sort of go again with this book club kind of mentality means that we can to some extent forge the next chapter but that said you have to keep an eye on what's around you and you have to kind of just adapt to it because it moves and changes so quickly. Do you guys ever think about the post YouTube world? So much of what we do is kind of hooked up on YouTube and has been for the last 10 years yeah. um, but that's not to say that the mentality or the attitude of what we do doesn't exist elsewhere and I feel like there's times when sorted like you said sorted gardening sorted sort who knows but the the mentality of sorted kind of lives beyond YouTube yeah. and the and the group that we have and the the team and the the skill set and the conversation every single day with people all over the world talking about food like that lives way beyond YouTube. Yeah, and I think a lot of it's on YouTube, but it's bigger than that. Right, and I even think the the new book slash books that are will continually be coming out is a perfect example of that and yeah. how you guys can kind of take the reins. Yeah. And I think despite YouTube's multiple flaws recently and its and its heavy criticism, they are the market leaders of what they do. They do it better than anybody else when it comes to well, from from a tech point of view, from a servicing point of view from everything um, monetization point of view they've got it covered nobody else can compete with that yet so everyone else all the other areas we kind of upload content in they are they're playgrounds still um youtube works for us as a business nowhere else does yet um, and we are making those shifts to make sure we are covered in other areas and the book club more than anything else yeah gives us our control with our directly with our community because what we hate is when we see these companies like YouTube and Instagram and so on playing the game and taking them away from us. Mm -hmm. They change the rules and suddenly yeah. you've got to completely re-strategize. Okay, so you have an exceptional community. Talk to me about how you formed the exceptional community of this team of 10 to a dozen people you have working with you in the office. Um, I didn't have to look too far. When we started, my dad helped us out a lot in the early days um, by allowing us to play and make videos in the early, like, at the age of 20. He helped fund the first book. I say fund, he, I think he gave about a couple hundred quid to kind of get it off the ground. Um, and then since then, he was always on the periphery of it all. Uh, and then only the last five, six years, he's working with us full time. I've got my dad, my uncle and my brother in the business. What? Which is weird. It's That's a awesome. I think you think working with your friends is bad enough. Yeah. It's a family <laughs> no. and friends Barry, business. you just like took odd. it to the next level. Uh, and then everybody else in the business, well, they either came originally from universities, friends for that. And then um, we've gone a fairly traditional route at finding people. And we've had some exceptional people through the community who work with us. And we've got people, people through recruitment agencies. For us, like I said, it's a family and friends business and it's really important to keep it that way. So everyone we, who comes on board has to fit in that mould and understand that we're all heavily investing money-wise and emotionally-wise into this to make sure that we build something special. So everyone on the team is, is remarkable. Something that I am struck by with you guys because you're four dudes who are good friends start a business and it's and it gets really successful it gets big oh my gosh you guys are like internet celebrities how have you not fallen down the trap 
of typical internet stardom pitfalls, if you know what I mean. The answer's in the situation, because there's four of us and we all know each other inside and out. Like, we've known each other what, since what, we're... What, what, what? <laughs> I, we know each other's emotions and Sorry. headspace Good. better than most. <laughs> Good. Um, that as soon as any one person kind of goes off on a bit of a skew... Either way, everyone else is like, oh, what's going on? It's, it's kind of so obvious when it's you're a friends. Check. Yeah, it's like I remember a some of our very, balance. very first videos, and I'm winding the clock back a long way now. But I remember you particularly, you suddenly became very cockney. You suddenly almost took on a persona. When he was on camera, he took on a persona. Nervous. I and just, you, you wanted to be a better version of yourself. So you sort of put yeah. on this persona and yeah. kind of danced around a bit, and your shoulders moved a bit more, and you got. <laughs> yeah, I. But we all looked at him and went, Barry, what are you doing? That's not you. But that's and that's still the same today. I think if any one of us begins to go left or right or whatever, you kind of the rest of us like, well, that's not you. Yeah. What's up? Because it was probably just means we're, we're not working something out. So I think the fact that we're such close friends enables us to not do that. Yeah, the most common phrase in the office when we're filming is stop presenting because really? you, you you find yourself going into, especially when you're doing like we're not kind of. On screen is kind of if like, the, the smallest part of what we do, and suddenly you're being put in front of a camera, going right, be just do this, and you're like, okay, cool, and you start going into a presenting mode. Then like that's not you, right? Just get stop it, reset, stop presenting. Stop it's presenting. got to be real so life. Good. You know, we are we are a real life friendship, and it's got to be real life. We are not very good actors. I'd, I'd go as far to say we're terrible, terrible <laughs> actors, which yeah. is why we don't use scripts. Yeah, we kind of know that it's going to start here and it's going to end there, and at some point we need to ask for this particular input from the community, and occasionally we might have to get this particular brand message or campaign kind of philosophy in, and we all know what we believe in food, but that's it. Then we just run at it and let the cameras kind of capture whatever happens because we can't act. I want to kind of go back to where you were when you guys started this. Ben, you were the food guy. Barry, you were the photography guy. Would you still consider yourself the food guy? Would you still consider yourself the photographer? I think for both of us, probably no. In a weird way, I think what I find strange about titles is food, photography. They were titles defined, we defined ourselves about... 10, probably 15 years ago when you're trying to work out what you want to do with your life. And that's a way of going, I'm going to pigeonhole myself in that box there and say, this is what I am to get me forward in life. The fact we still refer to that and still claim to be that, I think is ludicrous mm. because over these years, we've picked up so many more skills that have been, have made, turned this business to what it is today. But yes, I am the photographer. He is the chef. The passions it's, still lie there, but yeah. you wear many hats in any startup and we're we're now a 10 year startup so it's far from that but over the years we've all done so many different things it's still one of my biggest bugbears at the age of 18 or 19 you are pushed into a corner to say what are you make your mind up now (laughs) and then you're held accountable for that for pretty much the rest of your life and I find that really irritating I don't know what I call myself now but I've only just worked out what I'm good at I think (laughs) <laughs> it's not photography. But yeah, when you pigeonhole yourself, there is a very narrow definition of success. How would you guys define success for each of you now? And again, we probably all define that slightly differently. Like, I've always thought from Sorted's point of view, the whole reason it started was it annoyed me how little people were cooking on a budget and they're finding too many easy excuses not to. So for me, a success now is that there are just more people out there 
having a go at scratch cooking and we live in a world where there's less and less people doing that because it's easier and easier to push a button on an app and get food delivered so it's becoming more of a challenge to scratch cook and it's a skill that is being lost but for me success is if you could draw a line of sand now and then have a look at it again tomorrow next month a year and 10 years is that number of people cooking something or learning something about food and cooking increasing for me it's a little bit of exposure i feel like people see what we've done and there's a perceived success and go they are absolutely cracking it and yeah i think we have in a entertainment sphere where you like we managed to get our face on billboards across london and that was amazing as part of a youtube campaign but actually when you look at the world within food we're tiny we're tiny we're big fish in a small pond to an extent and you go how do we move out into the wider world and educate more and more people about food and get them into it for me that's the next big challenge is how we break out of break out of just youtube, YouTube which level. is bonkers because youtube's pretty damn big and but how do we get out of that world and, and focus on a, on a wider audience to me the sorted food dudes are experts at keeping it quirky <laughs> Barry and Ben, how do you keep it quirky? I approach my everyday life at trying to keep it quirky, but it's a real struggle because you take everything around you is kind of set up to put pressure on you. I love eating out. I love exploring new foods. I've always done a thing of trying not to eat the same thing twice in a year when I eat out. So I'm always pushing myself to that limit to work out what's out there. And as long as I find myself, I've pushed off so far, I laugh about it. That's all I care about. And that supplies in everything I do. Push myself to make a, I want to make a fool of myself at least once a week <laughs> at some point. And I laugh at myself, then we're in a good place. And if other people laugh at me at the same time, even better. Yeah. We, we often laugh at you. That's <laughs> fine. <laughs> good. <laughs> about you, Ben? Probably echoes that a little bit. Um, for me, it's keeping it quirk there's so much quirky stuff out there that you don't need to make it quirky you just need to find the quirky because I think you just redefined quirky is probably just something different you haven't seen before so for me it's travel and I love travelling whenever I get any downtime and, and luckily Sorted takes us all over as well but finding things that are less familiar to us so often different cuisines and different um, cultures and things that to us might seem a bit quirky but to there it's perfectly normal and natural and an everyday thing so for me it's uncovering the things we don't know about yet because that is quirky just to us even though it's not elsewhere Barry, Ben thank you so much for coming on the podcast no oh, pleasure thank you. thank you for the coconut cake yay <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to check out Sorted Foods videos and join the Sorted Book Club. If you dig this podcast, please tell your friends about it or shout about it on social media. And if you really, really like it and you really want to get on my good side, leave a review in the Apple Podcast Store because it really helps other people find the podcast. And feel free to hit me up with comments or suggestions at QKatie on Instagram and Twitter and at Keep It Quirky Podcast on Instagram. Thanks to my brother Brian Quinn for the rockin' theme song you hear here. And as always, keep it quirky. Mm-hmm.